Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, October 15th, 2021. Well, it is a privilege to be a pastor at Compass Bible Church. And as you think about that name, Compass, a compass is something with which we are all familiar. I think we all could briefly explain what it is a compass does. But I think with our modern age, uh, not many of us have really had an experience in life where we were forced to rely on a compass. You know, we live in the days of smartphones and, you know, we maybe don't rely on a compass, but we rely on Google Maps or some kind of navigation device to tell us uh, where to go. And we forget that for most of human history, people did not have those things. And we had to rely on even things like looking at the sun or the stars to find our direction. And if you were coming through where I live, the Treasure Valley, not today, but as a part of the Oregon Trail, you know, a long time ago, how important it would be to have something that helped you find a sense of direction. Uh, Now, you know, most of us, a compass is kind of a cool trinket we might have, where for many people, a compass was an absolute necessity for them to get where they needed to go. And that is really how we need to think about God's Word. God's Word isn't some nifty gadget, uh, you know, that we can use on some camping trip when we want to have fun. No, God's Word is essential, and we will not get where God wants us to go without His Word. And we get a sense of that as we come back to a psalm that is centered on God's Word, Psalm 119, where today we look at the third section, uh, the Hebrew letter Gimel, in verses 17 through 24. And look at what the psalmist says here. He says, Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. And so there we we get that sense even of a sojourner. This is a traveler walking through life. And what does this person walking through life want more than anything? Notice even then the next two words he uses to describe the word. He says, your commandments and your rules. Wow, that is amazing. Usually we don't think, you know what I really need is commandments and rules. But that's what the psalmist is thinking. Because when we think rightly about God's commandments and God's rules, we know that they are good. And we know, as we, even as we've talked about, that the point of Scripture really is to point us through Christ to reconciliation with God. And as we do, then we are freed for the first time to ever even think rightly about God's commandments and His rules, to see that they are gifts and He's directing us on a path of life. As our the church, a friend of our church, Shannon Hurley, a missionary in Uganda, likes to say, there is a king and His way is best. And when we've been reconciled to that king, our eyes are open to see his way is the best. And as I navigate life as a sojourner in this world, God, I want your commandments. I want your rules. I want you to show me 
how to think. I want you to show me how to live. I love how he says, my soul is consumed with longing. What are the things your soul is consumed with longing for? And even just think, man, what are the things that you think, man, this is what I really need in life? Is it a better job or more money or a better marriage or getting married or children that behave a little more or just a little more of this or a little more of that? What is it that you really think would make your life better? The psalmist, he knows what will make his life better is the word of God, the law of the Lord. And I love that prayer in verse 18. It's a prayer that we would do well to pray every time we interact with God's word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And he says, you see some of the danger that he is in in verse 23, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Again, we don't know who wrote Psalm 119. I think most people would say, if if we had to guess, we'd probably guess David. He wrote most of the Psalms. I've heard some people, and and this verse, verse 23, princes plotting against him would make sense for David. I've heard some people try to argue that they think the prophet Daniel wrote this. uh, And you could see how verse 23 would maybe help them to think that princes sit plotting against him, right? All the other satraps, all the other uh, rulers in the kingdom plot against him, but he's sticking to God's commandments. Again, we don't know if either of those two men wrote this psalm with certainty, but use them as pictures. Consider some of the trials that they went through and you can see how even in the midst of all that, they meditated on God's word. And that was the compass that guided them through real difficulty and real uh, intense situations. And then it says in verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. And I want all of us to think, especially what are the hard situations in our life? And are we leaning above anything else in those situations on the word of God? Are we first and foremost pulling out our compass and checking it for direction? Or is it the last of things that we're looking for? Uh, We really need to evaluate the place that God's word has in our lives. And I just want to challenge all of you. Look to God's word more and more. As you encounter trials, as you seek to navigate life, you will not be disappointed. And we're reminded uh, of some of the reasons why, as we now turn to the book of James, James chapter 1, verses 16 through 27. And for some context, let's remember where we ended yesterday, where he really talks about temptation and how we can't blame our temptations on God. They really come from within, from our own desires. And ultimately, temptation, it comes from our own desires and it leads to death. But today, we get a sense of um, the opposite of that right away in verse 16. So, sin and our wicked desires lead to death, but then it pivots in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And that just reminds us our sin is coming from within and it's leading to death. And many times what we're forgetting is that there is a God, the father of lights, and from him comes every good and perfect gift. And if we're looking somewhere else for those things, 
it's going to end in death, but we can look to God and know that he will give what is good and perfect. And sometimes even we need to look at our lives and say, what God has given me is good and perfect. And I need to trust his will. But then we also, we get a sense here of how the word is, is this compass pointing us away from something and to something. Consider verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. This compass is pointing us away from sin and really to the word and what it leads to. We know at the center of the word is the gospel, the message of what God has done for us. And then as it leads us then to live the life that Jesus died and rose again to give us, a life that is free from sin, a life that is full of the fruit of the spirit. And then it reminds us we need to not only be hearers of the word, but doers. So I do really want you to consider your relationship to God's word today. Are you really leaning on it as a compass? Do you have a good sense that the things that it's pointing you away from are for your good and the things that it is pointing you to are also for your good? So we should all be encouraged to put away sin and to receive with humility and with meekness the the implanted word. And that it does take meekness. It does take humility to receive the word. Because it can take humility to say, hey, I can't figure all this out. I can't do this on my own. I need to lean on God and what he says. Uh, So I hope those things encourage us today from our reading. Let's move on to our last two passages now. First, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. And here you see uh, Jesus cleansing the temple. And you see what he says as he makes this whip and drives people out of the temple. This was surely an intense scene. And this is really where we start to see more conflict come between Jesus and the religious leaders. But he's frustrated. He says, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And we see Jesus had a passion. And in another passage that refers to him cleansing the temple, it goes back to the psalm that says, zeal for your house has consumed me. Jesus had a zeal for his father's house. Well, we don't have a temple. The temple was destroyed. Um, The Bible does not teach us, hey, we'll go build temples. But it does talk about the church. And the church is not a building. The church is a gathering of God's people. And one thing I think it's good to be challenged when we see Jesus's passion for the temple is to consider our passion for really the church, which is 1 Timothy reminds us, is the household of God. And Jesus was sad that uh, the temple was being turned into something it wasn't supposed to be. And may we always seek to be vigilant to make sure our churches don't become something that they're not supposed to be, but that they remain places that are on the mission that Jesus gave them, are uh, handling things the way Jesus taught us to handle things, uh, and that we would have that kind of right zeal uh, for the church, uh, like Jesus had for the temple. And that life of being zealous for God, zealous for his people, zealous for the church, it is not an easy life. And we're reminded of that as we come back to the prophet Jeremiah today in verses or chapters 10 through 12. And here we see him start by talking about idols, but you really get a sense of uh, how difficult it is for him as you get then to chapter 11. And when you get to chapter 11, uh, you get a sense that there are people who are out to get 
Jeremiah. In verse 21, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life. So people are trying to kill Jeremiah. Well, they're called the men of Anathoth. Does that sound familiar? We'll go back to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth. So people from Jeremiah's hometown are seeking his life. That is opposition. And we will see Jeremiah face a lot of opposition. But God gives him some comfort here. But we see that's a struggle for Jeremiah. And even he comes to God at the beginning of chapter 12. And he says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? And Jeremiah is not the only one in Scripture to think those thoughts. And he's not the only one throughout history. And I bet some of you listening today either are having these thoughts right now or have had them in your life. You look out at the world and say, why does it seem that people that pay no regard to God are doing just fine? And here I am trying to follow God and it's hard, right? And look how God responds. God usually responds in these situations by really pointing the person to, there's so many things you don't understand. And I, my ways are higher than your ways. You need to trust me. And in verse 5, it says, I mean, God starts by challenging Jeremiah. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? I mean, basically saying, hey, if running with men gets you tired, how are you going to race a horse? It's not going to happen. And I think God really is coming in and saying, how are you going to really challenge me and my thinking and how I do things? And that's a good reminder to us to trust God. But as we live a life that seeks to follow that compass of the word and seeks to be zealous for the church, it's not going to be easy. So it really brings us back to, we have to rely on God's word. And we start asking questions like, why do the wicked prosper? We're really starting to forget God's word. And when we find the Christian life or ministry challenging, we're going to be tempted to start thinking about things really from a human perspective. Instead of leaning on that compass, that is the word of God. So what are the trials in your life today? And are you really looking to God's word for help with those things? Or are you looking someplace else? May we always be coming back to the compass that God has given us through his word. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.